Welcome to the Royal Caribbean Blog Podcast, a weekly look into the world of Royal Caribbean cruising. I'm your host, Matt Hotchberg, and this is episode number 124. I love having friends on the podcast, and this week, because everything is more fun with friends, we have two for you. First up, we have Brian White, who's going on a lure this season with 14 other people, speaking of friends, and he'll, we'll be previewing everything Brian has planned, including why he's making the change from Disney Cruise Line to Royal Caribbean, and everything else he's got planned on board. I'll also be dipping into the Royal Caribbean Blog Podcast email inbox this week, where Michael Poole is joining me to answer your questions. Here we go. The big goal of Royal Caribbean Blog has always been to help you have a better Royal Caribbean cruise, and I'm pleased this week, in fact, to be joined by one of our listeners, Brian White, who's going on a nice group cruise on Allure of the Seas. Brian, welcome to the Royal Caribbean Blog Podcast. Hey, man. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Well, you know, I, of course, always have that open invitation for our listeners. If you're going on a Royal Caribbean cruise, would love to talk to you about it. And, Brian, you're going on Allure of the Seas, which obviously great ship, and you've got some interesting things planned, but you're also going with a large group, group of 14. So what's getting you to bring a group of 14 on board? Uh, well, the uh, women in our group, this is a family group. My brother's family, my sister's family, and my parents are all going. So we range from uh, three years to 78 years right now. And this will be the fourth cruise we've been on, uh, the first on Royal Caribbean. Uh, nice. Back in 2009, uh, all the girls got together and decided they wanted to go on a cruise with everybody. So I'm the I'm the planner in the group, and uh, I decided to take that on. And, and so we've been on three Disney cruises, and uh, like I said, this is our first Royal Caribbean cruise. Yeah, I think uh, we have uh, our, our travel agent, uh, who, who's through MEI, uh, we've worked with in the past on all the Disney cruises and we were actually going to go on another Disney cruise. Uh, but when I queried her on uh, a family stateroom, which we had on Disney prior and we wanted to do that again because of the size, uh, they didn't have any available because of, uh, I guess, lifeboat, uh, capacity. And, oh. uh, so Deb said, Hey, why don't you take a look at Allure of the Seas? Uh, and she ran some prices and it ended up being about a thousand dollars cheaper on Royal Caribbean. And we got two straight rooms instead of one. So I couldn't pass it up. Absolutely. I mean, I think, you know, I'm not surprised to hear that by any means. Uh, you know, I think many of our listeners know Brian and, and I think you do as well. I, my, when I first started cruising, I cruised with, with Disney Cruise Line as well. And we ran into a somewhat similar situation where we had done a bunch of cruises with Disney, but then it was a situation where, for whatever reason, we were looking at some other options, and someone suggested Royal Caribbean. And not only did they have the options that we were looking for, like yourself found, but also, obviously, the big price difference. And being able to get a you know the, the room you want, and in your case, you're getting two rooms instead of one. You're also going on a much larger ship. Which ship on the Disney Cruise Line were you comparing this to? Uh, this would have been compared to the Fantasy. Okay, yeah. So obviously, you, you know, the Fantasy is one of the newer Disney Cruise Line ships, but still, you're getting an opportunity to check out really some of the best offerings Royal Caribbean has. So I think you're definitely setting yourself up quite nicely for it. So let's. So you picked a Allure of the Seas, and you have your stateroom already set. So right. tell us some more about your plans here in terms of what you're looking to do here on Allure of the Seas. Well, I think one of the uh, the big attractions to uh, Allure of the Seas and probably uh, Royal Caribbean in general 
is that having been on three of the Disney cruises, we've kind of done that and been there for, for most of the stuff. Um, so they only have the four ships. So there's not you know so much different you can see each time. A lot of the shows are the same, and obviously the restaurants are the same. And I think uh, now that uh, most of the kids are older, we still have a three-year-old in the mix, and we have uh, eight and 11 uh, and on up. Um, I think the kids are getting more interested in some of the more active pursuits on the board. And with the zip line and the rock wall and the sports court and stuff like that, I think it's going to be a great fit uh, while we're on the ship for everybody. So. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you've obviously got a lot for the kids to do on board. And you just you're, what you described is obviously some of the, the big hitters. But that really just scratches the surface in terms of what is available for kids to do on on the ship. I mean, there's just so much. You obviously also have the huge pool area that are just for kids. You've got uh, you know a ton of activities in that you're going to find in your cruise compass. There's a lot going on, and especially for the older kids, the the 14 and 15 year old, and even the 11 year olds. I think you're going to find a lot going on there. Do you plan on having them join the Adventure Ocean program while on board? Absolutely, and actually, that's one of the uh, the kind of the areas that I still have a little uh, a few questions on um, because there's there's uh, not a lot you know going through Cruise Critic and some other you know through the blog site and stuff like that. There wasn't a ton of information on Adventure Ocean and not a lot of reviews that I could find with you know fairly current information for like Aluro Oasis class uh, ships. So that was kind of one of the uh, questions we had was uh, did anybody have any you know, real world experience for for our age group that's going to be on Adventure Ocean? Sure. So I can definitely comment on the three-year-old. That's because my daughter has gone through it a number of times already. But I think the experiences kind of hold throughout, especially for the three, eight, and 11-year-olds. We'll okay. get to the 14, 15-year-olds in a second. The For the, the non-teenage children that you're talking about here, the experience is pretty straightforward, and I think it's quite good, in fact. You're going to have – basically, Royal Caribbean takes Adventure Ocean. They breaks it up by age groups. So you're going to have three major groups there starting with the uh, three-year-old going, I believe it's three to five, and then six to eight, and then nine to 11, if, if my math is correct on that. Um, I can already see the angry emails coming to you. You got the wrong thing wrong. <laughs> but you know what I mean. You're, you're breaking yeah. them up. It's not like you've got the three-year-old and the 11-year-olds hanging out together. And right. they have different rooms, and they have different activities. And the activities try to cater towards the group. So the three-year-old you know, three is going to be doing a lot of just playing around, and they do a lot of story time they do dress up i mean it's, it's a lot of fun obviously as you move up the scale you're going to get a little more mature activities there's some more science involved it's a little more learning than it is just straight up playing time mm -hmm. and you know i'm really i've really enjoyed everything i've seen from a parent standpoint in terms of what's offered there and the kids clubs just offer what's great about it is they obviously get to meet other children on board and that is the real key i think to having a really good time for a lot of kids on there because uh, i think that being able to you know meet other kids and and want to spend more time with other kids is going to endear them more into the program than if they decide even a couple of days later to go into it. Um, I think it's just the best way to go about it, and that's I think going to really be kind of interesting. And certainly for their programs, it's going to be very super. It's all supervised, and it's very you know um, uh, very much in a, in a kind of a almost a camp mentality, right? You go there, you drop the kids off in the morning. You pick them up whenever you pick them up, and you know they're supervised throughout. For sure. the older kids, for the teenagers, you know, it's a little bit of different activity, a little ex different experience. And from what I can tell you, and again, I don't have firsthand experience. Only stuff that I've obviously seen, read, and heard. You know, the teenagers have a whole special club just for them. There's special events just for them in the cruise compass. You'll see them as well. It'll be like you know, teen only flow rider time. They'll have teen dances, and these are kind of things where. 
it's more where where the the younger children were more organized and structured in terms of you know like camp environment. The mm-hmm. teenage stuff is more about hanging out, and there are stuff there is stuff for them to do. I mean the the special club that is just for teens is really impressive, and I was I've been in them a couple times just as a, kind of a touring aspect and. I tell you, there's some really cool things I want to hang out in there. <laughs> That's some really, you know, comfortable couch. Basically, it's trying to be more of a, again, a place to hang out, almost like someone's house you're hanging out at. But again, it's supervised, and there are events especially for them. So I think the teenagers are going to have a very different experience than some of the other kids. But that's because it's supposed to be that way, if that makes sense. Sure. Yeah, I think that's one of the uh, things that will be interesting is to see the differences between the kids' programs on the Disney ships versus the Royal Caribbean. Because uh, it seems like uh, the Adventure Ocean is a little bit more structured, whereas the, the Disney uh, kids' clubs are kind of open. You can either you know participate in an activity or you can sit and play video games and, and break it up that way. And it seemed like maybe the Adventure Ocean was a little bit more, you know, if you're there, you have to do the activity. But I don't know that for a fact. So it will be interesting to see how that plays out. Yeah, I think that's a fair assessment, and I think one of the things you have to see, I think the advantage of that is that it forces, because they're, I hate to use the word force, but because they're given stuff to do together as a group, I think it makes bonding with the other children easier, because mm-hmm. they're constantly playing, with, as opposed to the kid who goes there, goes right to the video game, and can be antisocial for the entire time, and then says, you know, after <laughs> right, two, right. you know, this place stinks, I got nothing, I don't like anybody here, no one talks to me, you, you know how kids are. Sure, um, Absolutely. So a little a gentle nudge never hurt any children. <laughs> and I'm, I'm kind of looking forward to seeing how the, the teens are handled because I think that Disney did a fantastic job with the younger kids. But uh, the two girls that were you know kind of on the cusp of that teen program didn't yep. really think it was uh, great at Disney, whereas they all the kids loved the uh, younger uh, age group stuff. But when they got to the teen, they thought they didn't do quite enough for the kind of the same thing you're talking about, you know, getting to know everybody and, and, and make it a, a fun group, uh, you know, participation thing. Yeah. From what I can tell from the, again, the experiences I've seen, heard and read and all that and teenagers I've talked to, a lot of it is they go to the club. That's like their, that's like their headquarters, right? And they'll start out there initially almost all the time. And then they start branching out to the events because they meet their, the other teenagers on board at the teen club and then it's like oh look I saw on the cruise compass that the flow riders available for teenagers only at you know from 8 o'clock to 11 o'clock whatever the case may be you know and, and they kind of branch out and they you know they'll do stuff together like that and they come back to the teen club and as the cruise goes on I mean they really develop these kind of you know they're friends and they're hanging out together and it seems like by the end of the cruise I mean they're inseparable I've, I can't tell you how many cruises I've been on and it's like I just start recognizing groups of teenagers because you <laughs> see them there all the time you know what I mean so yeah. I'm hopeful that that'll be a similar experience for uh, for your teenagers as well. Is that you know that I'm assuming that's a, a positive and a fun experience for them. And hey, hopefully Absolutely. they'll have a great time. You know, uh, experiencing that brand of 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 teenage supervised um, activities. Yeah, and I think that's one of the going to be one of the big advantages of Royal is they have so many more teen specific you know things or, or things that are really geared towards the little bit older kids uh, from all the activities. Whereas Disney was you know kind of focused on the younger kids um so it all, almost feels like we've aged out of some of the disney activities and, and looking forward to the the uh, new activities that we get to do here on royal caribbean absolutely and i think the other thing i, I should probably mention when we're talking about disney versus royal caribbean in general is i think the two lines are very similar in many aspects i think that it's something that if you look at the example i always give is if you look at any of the awards that are out there you know, for across the industry, whether it's a Cruise sure. Critic Award or it's U.S. News and World Reports or whatever, 
you know, oftentimes you'll find that Royal Caribbean and Disney are just flip-flopping between each other, right? Maybe in one Royal Caribbean is number one and the other one Royal Caribbean is number two. But the important takeaway for me is not that one did better than the other one. It's that they keep coming up one and two respectively, which tells sure. me they're very similar experiences. And as you've discovered, why would you pay, you know, a thousand plus dollars more for a similar experience? Right. Yep. All right. So there, I, I said my piece. I'm going to have my soapbox now. So that being said, <laughs> uh, let's talk about some of the other plans you have on board. Do you have any dining plans so far? Uh, we do not at this time. I've got a couple of ideas. Um, one of the big uh, attractions for for our group is uh, on the cruises that we you know always come together for dinner, despite yep. you know splitting up in groups and going and do things all all you know either by ourselves or in separate groups during the day. But we all come together for dinner, and we really enjoyed that. Uh, in the past. So we don't have any set times yet for specialty dining, although I think we're going to end up probably picking one or two nights where we just, you know, grab an appetizer at the main dining room and then we head off. Uh, I've kind of got my eye on Sabor and and uh, nice. maybe some other ones as well. Absolutely. Well, you got definitely Sabor. You've got my <laughs> thumbs up on that one. I'm sure that's probably not much of a surprise to hear, but you know what? For posterity's sake, I will say it every episode if need be, just to make sure that the word gets out that it that it's really good. It, you mentioned one thing, and I think I see in your. I'm looking over your original email. Are you booked into my time dining? Uh, we were originally, um, and that turned out to be a little bit of a headache um, for a group our size to to right. you know get set up, and it ended up that we were able to slide into the early dining slot uh, through our good. travel agent. Uh, we actually, I did end up booking all the my time dining but i tried to get it kind of the same time every day and it just it was tough to do uh, and that, i guess that's one of the one of the group issues i had was that they can't sit 14 of us together which actually right. disney could they had they had their biggest table uh, sat 14 um, so we had to split up into two tables and then there were a lot of days they couldn't get you know two tables an eight and a six or something like that and we had to have a couple twos and i'm sure it probably would all work out once we got on board but because i'm a you know ADD OCD planner I like to have all that laid out ahead of time and it was a bit of a challenge to try and do that no absolutely and in fact I'm glad you did that because I would have my first suggestion to you would have been you should go for traditional dining I mean I'm a traditional dining fan I'm an old man trapped in a slightly younger man's body and (laughs) and you know I just really love it and for large groups for exactly the reasons you just pointed out it's way easier and much more manageable than trying to organize my time. My time dining is fine, and there's certainly a lot of people who will come on here and tell you they'll wax poetically about it in the same way that I can wax poetically about Sabor. Um, but I think it definitely favors smaller groups, and especially if you're interested in having, again, like you said, a dinner every night where you can all can be there in one place. And, you know, it just seems like a lot of extra work for, I'm not sure, a lot of payoff in your situation. Right, and and I think uh, you know another attraction to us, you know, on on the, the previous three cruises has been the the uh, familiarity and in the almost family atmosphere you get when you when you have the same servers that know you know exactly what drinks you all want and you know what the kids want to eat as soon as they sit down. So there's a there's a, some big attraction to that as well. Absolutely, I'm I'm totally on board with you on that one. I love that aspect. That's why I like traditional dining. It's not that I just enjoy having dinner at you know six or eight o'clock. It's it's about the experience <laughs> with the wait staff, having the same table mates. I mean, to me, that is what makes traditional dining so much fun, and why we always look forward to it. And um, so anyway, yeah, I'm totally on with you on on that. Uh, so we've got 
uh, you, we, we talked about dining. We talked about your your stateroom. We talked about kind of the activities for the kids. What are you looking to do, Brian, on board? What's kind of your on your on your hit list? Um, well, certainly uh, we'll be checking out the flow rider and the zip line. Uh, the kids definitely want to go ice skating. Um, I just look forward to taking in, you know, as much as possible. I know seven days you can't do it all, um, but you know, we we have uh, uh, groups that would like to play volleyball, would like to play dodgeball. You know, partake in some of that. Um, you know, again, ice skating, rock wall climbing, pretty much any any active pursuit ready to go. I kind of look forward to the fact now that uh, our kids are a little bit older. They're 14 and 11, and they've got their own stateroom, uh, which is connecting Ooh. to ours. So we're hopeful that we can do a little bit more of the nightlife stuff that we really haven't gotten to do in the past. So I think that'll be uh, fun as well. And I think, uh, you know, being able to do something like Sabor and, and some of the other specialty dinings uh, will make it uh, that much more special. Um, so I'm looking forward to that. You know, on Disney, you have, you know, basically one or two choices of specialty dining. Um, so if you're not big into Italian or you're not big into gourmet foods, you don't want to eat at Remy, you're kind of, you know, stuck with the main dining, whereas there's just so much more to offer in terms of that specialty dining where I can go get guacamole at lunchtime if I want to. Um, <laughs> it'll be good. Absolutely. And I think the other thing you should, I know you're, you're like me, you're the type A OCD, got to book it now and have it planned six months in advance. Absolutely. I will also tell you that with especially dining, don't feel terribly 100% compelled to book things in advance for it. The okay. thing with especially dining is it's a lot easier to get walk-up reservations than you might think on Royal Caribbean. And unless you're like, unless you have to eat at a certain day at a certain time, you know, I think you can definitely you know, have be have a more organic experience where you get on board and you know one night you say, you know what, I'm really in the mood. Like you said, to have I need guacamole today, <laughs> and you go there and you know maybe you have to you might have to wait 30 minutes or maybe they'll be able to seat you later. But I've always had exceptionally easy experiences getting seated without reservations. The only exception being on holidays, and I don't think you're cruising over any holidays. No. So then you, I think you're. You know, just kind of keep that in the back of your head that it's not locked in. It's not like, you know, Walt Disney World where you have to have everything planned six months in advance for your dining. There is flexibility in that, and quite often they're more than happy to uh, work with you on that. So something to keep that's in mind a, when you're when Yeah, you that's a great it. tip. I appreciate that. Absolutely. So uh, we've got a couple minutes here, and I guess the other question I wanted to have for you, you chose – I guess I know your travel agent referred to you uh, and kind of said, hey, you should really check out Allure of the Seas. Did you consider any other Royal Caribbean ships? Uh, we did not. Uh, when I when I floated the idea to the rest of my crew, my brother came back and said, uh, "Go big or go home." He wanted to, he wanted to be on the biggest ships. <laughs> you know what? It makes total sense. I'm I, I'm not faulting. I'm just curious. I just want. I always like getting into the the rationale and the mentality of folks who are picking cruises. So hey, that works. What you know, first yeah, choice and all. His kids his kids were interested in, in the the biggest ship once they found out we were talking about it. So we had actually looked at because it uh, it goes out of Port Canaveral or uh, Fort Lauderdale rather than Port Canaveral, which is where the Disney ships are going from. That was a little bit further drive because uh, we'll be down in Tampa just before the cruise. Um, so it's a it's a bit of a drive from there. Um, but uh, we, we thought it was worth it from the price savings and, and the fact that we get to try out the, the biggest ship in the fleet. So. Absolutely. And last, last question for you. Are you cruising Eastern or Western Caribbean? Uh, we're doing Western. So we've actually oh, been going to Yes, Labadee. Looking forward to that very much. And it would be interesting to see how that compares to Castaway Key, um, you know, Disney's Island. 
so the the kids are definitely looking forward to that. And I think again here we see you know on Labadee we see a little bit more uh, stuff geared towards the older kids or or even adult for the activities they've got. You know some some of the uh, play toys and stuff at, at Castaway Key for Disney, but then they've got that in Spades at Labadee as well as the big zip line and the uh, coaster, which uh, all three of the boys in the family are big into coasters, so they're definitely going to be partaking in the Dragon's Tale. Nice. I think I'm very interested to hear when we have you back on the podcast to hear your experiences again. It'll be interesting compare and contrast. So, uh, Brian, before I let you go, I just want to get to know you a little bit better here and ask you four quick questions about how you like to cruise and just give me the first word that comes to your mind when I ask you the okay. question. You ready? Sure. Yeah. Uh, usually I ask you the favorite restaurant on a Royal Caribbean ship. You haven't been on one. So favorite restaurant on a Disney cruise line ship? I would have to go Animator's Palette with that one. The, uh, oh, it's, the, it's the, the Yeah, the Disney fantasy, the the experience on board where you you actually get to draw your own characters and they animate them into the final uh, production after at dinner is, is pretty amazing. Nice. Prefer drink while on a cruise? Uh, I'm going to go unsweetened iced tea. I'm not a drinker, um, so <laughs> I'm, hey. pr- I'm pretty plain. <laughs> if it makes you happy, more power to you. Favorite port of call to visit? Favorite port of call, I guess, uh, as a family so far, has probably been Castaway Key. Uh, so we're definitely looking forward to Labadee. But if it was my personal choice, I would probably say St. Martin. Nice. Great choices all around. And lastly, your favorite song on the radio or your iPhone today? Uh, I'm a podcast listener, but if I have to pick a song, I'll go something by train. There you go. Good choice right there. Awesome. Well, Brian, thank you so much for joining us, and I'm looking forward to having you back on the podcast to kind of give us your review and and experiences and kind of compare and contrast what you thought was going to happen and what really happened. So have a great time on Allure of the Seas. Appreciate you having me on, Matt. Take care. I always love to read your listener emails on the podcast and take a few minutes each week to talk about all the different aspects of a Royal Caribbean vacation. Let's face it, we all love taking a break from our regular lives and taking a mental escape to talking about our favorite subject, Royal Caribbean cruising. And joining me is a man who gets every dollar out of his Royal Caribbean Unlimited select drink package on all of his cruises and can most often be found lounging in his Coco Cay cabinet until the last tender leaves. It's, of course, Mr. Michael Poole. Welcome back, Michael. Wow, what an introduction. Thank you so much for having me back on. And I do love Coco Cay. Is anything I said incorrect? No, that's 100% accurate. (laughs) (laughs) Nice. Well, Michael, brought you on here to talk, answer some questions, talk Royal Caribbean together. And, you know, I figured usually I'm talking to myself, so why not uh, bring on a good friend and, and talk Royal Caribbean together? So, you ready for the first one? Absolutely. Anytime I can talk Royal Caribbean, I'm ready. All right. First email this week is from Susan Widowson, who writes, Matt, enjoyed your podcast on Royal Caribbean Entertainment. We have been on three back-to-back cruises, and we were pleased to see that on our last one on Independence of the Seas in September, they had two different ice shows, one for each week. They said this was done for back-to-back cruisers. Both shows were excellent, and I hope other ships are doing this. I had no idea, Michael. Have you ever heard of this? Two different ice shows on the, on the same ship for back-to-backs? I have not heard of that, but, you know, I've never done that style back-to-back. Mine have always been on shorter sailing, so, you know, that's a great, you know, three weeks on a ship. But, no, I mean, that's something we learn something every day from our listeners, so thank you for writing in on that. Absolutely. No, every time I've ever been on a ship that had an ice skating rink, you know, that's Navigated Seas, Freedom of the Seas, Oasis of the Seas, Explorer of the Seas, they've all had the same show going on. In fact, Freedom, I've seen FreedomIce.com about 
a number of times. It's a great show, but I've never seen anything else. So that's interesting. That Independence is mixing it up a little bit. Cool. Next, we have an email from Tony who writes, Hi, Matt. Just wondering if I need to prepay my Wi-Fi access before I board Explorer the Seas. If so, who do I need to make contact with? My cruise leaves Singapore in a very soon. Thanks in advance for all your help. So on the internet package, if you are a Crown and Anchor member, that, which you would receive a discount on the internet package. So you would want to purchase that on board. Um, the discount varies from your tier level in the Crown and Anchor Society. So that's something I always say buy on board. But any other things, drink packages, dining, those type of things you would want to pre-purchase. And you could do that from the online cruise planner website. Absolutely. I mean, the only reason to prepay your internet package is if you're not a Crown and Anchor Society member or someone who just, I don't know, for whatever reason, you really, really, really want to prepay your internet package to break up the cost of the cruise. I don't know, maybe someone's buying it for you, like you're, you're getting it as a gift, like, well, we're going to pay for it, but you got to book it now. So uh, if that's the case, then hey, that's the case. But I think I think I agree with you, Michael, that it's best to, to wait till you get on board the ship so that way you can take advantage of the discounts that are available through Crown and Anchor Society. Awesome. Well, let's keep it going with our... Actually, it's not even an email, Michael. It's a Facebook message from our good friend, Christy, who wrote us a message about last week's episode. And the question we had, you might remember, Michael, about the question about if you're on a Royal Caribbean ship, can you book a celebrity cruise on board? And I had no idea, because I've never tried doing it. And Christy told me the answer is yes, you can. And Christy writes, you read his question in the past episode... Uh, episode 123. I did this on my March cruise earlier this year. We received a $350 onboard credit for our celebrity cruise. I think the amount may have been based on the category you had booked. We were also offered the 123 Go promotion, and if you booked a concierge balcony or above, at that time you got all three promotions, which includes onboard credit. So for my celebrity reflection cruise that I have booked for 2017, I'm receiving the drink package, prepaid for gratuities, and $650 onboard credit I had booked at the perfect time. Wow, wow that, that's a lot of onboard credit. Um, I have heard that you could do that, and I would also recommend make sure you sign up for the, I believe they call it the Captain's Club, because your Crown and Anchor status will go all the way up to their elite status, so equal to the Diamond level. So if you happen to be Diamond Plus, they only max it out to the Diamond level through the celebrity right. program. Makes sense. Cool. Next, we have an email from our good friend Jose Pena, who writes, hey, Matt. I wanted to let you know the answer to a question about bringing four bottles of wine on a back-to-back cruise. You mentioned on Periscope that you could not bring four bottles on a back-to-back. I asked under my username, Jose Pena 12 and I called Royal Caribbean, and I was told that I could. What would happen if they would allow two bottles and the other two would be put in storage for the week? Then they would deliver the two bottles in your serum on the first day of the second week's cruise. You would have to mention that this is a back-to-back. It's not on Royal Caribbean's website, but the customer service agent had the information on the internal website. So hope this helps someone else who ever asked that question. That's right. You can. I've done it personally, and I was able to carry them straight to my cabin, but I think that will vary depending on ship. Yeah, so basically what Jose did was he brought four bottles on, and I guess he checked in the, the, the second two. Because Royal Caribbean's policy is any guest can bring on two bottles of wine per stateroom on a cruise. And now Jose was going back to back, so what he did was he brought four bottles of wine, two of which he was going to consume on cruise one. And then, again, those other two were stored by Royal Caribbean, delivered to his stateroom on the last night of cruise number one. And then he basically then brought it back on board for cruise number two. I would point out, I know Jose took a cruise on Jewel the Seas out of San Juan. And Michael, have you taken a cruise out of San Juan yet? I have not. Nope. Okay. So the interesting thing, the, this is really interesting. 
the cruise terminal actually has a liquor store in the terminal. Oh, wow. So <laughs> you just have to, all you do is just go back downstairs and go, <laughs> just go down again and come back on the ship. It's, How convenient. I, yeah, it's very convenient. I noticed it. I brought wine on board. We bought it from somewhere else in San Juan. But as I was checking in, I was like, oh, look, there's a liquor store right there. <laughs> I mean, it's a brilliant idea. I would like to see that at some other terminals. Hey, it's convenient, right? Yeah. Next, we have an email from Jim Couch. Who writes, hey, Matt, loving your podcast and binging on it right now. My wife and I took our first cruise in 2014 on Independence of the Seas, but it was an adult total takeover and didn't have to worry about the kids. It's not that we don't like children, but I'm worried that when we go on Liberty of the Seas in April 2016, that we won't have any romantic time. How do older-ish adults fare on cruises with teens and children aboard? Thank you in advance. Matt, I'm going to let you take that question since you have some kids of your own. Yeah, so the this is very much a delicate balance. But essentially what a lot of it helps is by the fact that we leverage a lot of what Royal Caribbean offers for kids to do on board, specifically the, the Adventure Ocean Club and also the nursery. Obviously, one of our kids is still too young for Adventure Ocean. But we put them in there, and they love it quite frankly. And that gives us, me and my wife, time to sit by the pool, have drinks, go do trivia, whatever we're, we're interested in doing, maybe go see a show without the kids over there. In fact, we've been very lucky, and I'm hoping this hope, hope this carries on until at least they're 35, but they love Adventure Ocean. My, my oldest daughter, she just doesn't want to ever leave. And so, like, oftentimes we're in port, actually. We leave her on there because she would rather be there than go with us on some boring tour. Her words, not mine. So... You know, it gives us, again, more freedom to be able to do what we want to do. So it's really about balancing that, especially during dinners. That's kind of our must-do. That's what we plan on among above everything else is the kids are going to be in Adventure Ocean or the nursery at dinner time. So that way we can enjoy at least two hours of, of, of quiet bliss. <laughs> no one complaining that they don't want to eat their chicken nuggets or, or – throwing food at the wall or whatever the case may be uh it's definitely the way to go so i would definitely say that you've got the kids definitely uh ingrain them in adventure ocean i know that jim mentioned teenagers obviously there's a teen club there and i think the key with everything is to get them in there early so day one is or day two depending on when adventure ocean or the teen club opens up but also being getting them involved the earlier they're involved the earlier they'll make friends and you know in the beginning everyone's the same forgive the pun here the same boat right they're all they're all trying to no one knows anybody and you're trying to make friends that's when all the little clicks and groups are are started so getting them in there as early as you can is definitely a good idea and maybe as a parent you have to give them a gentle nudge into the yeah you're gonna like it you'll thank me later go here you know here's 10 go you can go buy yourself a drink at the you know at the bar you know what a virgin daiquiri go you know what i mean whatever you have to do to get them out there and it's going to be better in the long term. So that's probably my best advice, Jim, that I would offer when you're looking for, for kids on board. Next, we have an email from Scott who writes, Hi, Matt. I want to open up by telling you how much I thoroughly enjoy your shows and blog. You strike such a great balance between the first-time cruiser and long-time cruiser. I find most of all what you do is informative. You cover so many great topics, and I've learned so much that will make my future cruises so much better. I've sailed Royal Caribbean three times, and I love it. My family and friends think I need help. <laughs> when I was near Port Canaveral for work, I drove it just to see Quantum of the Season Port for the day. On the departure morning of my third cruise, I woke up early because I could not sleep. I got on the webcam and looked into Freedom of the Seas and told my family that when we got up, hey, look, we're getting on that ship in a few hours. Of course, that did not surprise them since I had looked at the webcam every week showing them Freedom in Port. I had to say to all that say that I will be sailing on with my family on Oasis of the Seas 
very, very soon. So now I'm looking at it in the port every Saturday. I want to talk to you about a couple things. In episode 114, you mentioned a website that allows you to find all the ships that will be in port on certain days, but I did not see in the show notes. Can you send that to me? So the website is ports. I use ports.cruisett.com, and I'll post a link in the show notes to that over at royalcaribbeanblog.com. Michael, do you use anything different? Or It's funny. I was actually on that website this morning trying to figure out what ships were going to be in port when I was sailing in February. So, you know, absolutely. It's kind of part of the pre-cruise fun to see what ships are I'm going to see or how many people are going to be in port that day. Um, so we're right there with you. We're the cruise nerds, too. So I love it. Absolutely. The other thing uh, Scott wants to know is about, uh, I would like to know from you, is there anything I can bring back from my cruise that will help your readers or listeners? I would love to do that. It's the least I can do. And thank you for all the knowledge and experience you've done for me. I plan to bring back and scan every cruise compass to take high-quality photos of the menus from the dining room. I'll get you those quickly as I return. If there's anything else I can do, please email or call me. Well, Scott, you nailed it right in the head. That's the thing I can always use on the blog is a copy of the cruise compass, photos of the menus, and maybe if you want to throw on, if you're feeling adventurous, photos of your stateroom is a good little photo photo tour of your room is always appreciated because people like to see what kind of, you know, the room's stateroom categories look like and, and all that stuff. But I appreciate the, the offer, Scott, and thank you so much for the uh, for listening and, and the great email here. All right, let's go to our next email. It's from Frederick Olsen of, oh man, I'm going to mispronounce this one, Gothenburg, Sweden. Going overseas, Michael. Wow. Enjoying your podcast, and after listening to you rave about Sabor several times, we wanted to give it a try. On our cruise last week on Alert, this as we went the last day, it was a three-night cruise before the Transatlantic. Right after we receded, we had bad news. They ran out of avocados and no more tableside guacamole. Well, we really enjoy the rest of the dishes, and next time we're on the ship, we're going to go on day one to avoid disappointment. Wow. I would cry. I don't I don't know. I would cry. I don't know. I, would, I don't know what to do with myself. So what? 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 No, no, avocado. What? Yeah, that surprises me. They ran out on a three day, but I will say that's become my little tradition over the years is Sabor on the last night just to kind of toast the final night. But man, I'm sorry. The only thing to do is book another cruise because you got to try the guacamole. Yes, absolutely. Now, Frederick does add PS right after New Year's. We're sailing on Radiance of the Seas, and that completes our task of sailing on every single Royal Caribbean ship. After 63 cruises, we finally were able to say that we've sailed on them all. Enjoy your weekend. Wow, that's impressive. Yeah, that's a lot of cruising. <laughs> well done. Next, we have an email from Laura. Love the blog and podcast. Thanks for all the great info. Thanks for posting the October 21st Oasis of the Seas Cruise Compass on RoyalCaribbeanBlog.com. Reading this cruise compass reminds me I have a question. What's the difference between the regular and ultimate thermal spa passes? Also, I've been frustrated looking for a Western Caribbean cruise compass. I assume that you had one. You would have posted it. Would it be much different? Let's answer the uh, – so I'll answer the first one, Michael, and then you can tackle the uh, cruise compass one if you'd like or take a stab at it. Okay. So I didn't know the answer to the, the ultimate and regular thermal spa question until I went on Brilliant to the Seas. And actually, I, 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 when I ran across this, I was like, oh, I finally know the answer to this question. So the answer to the question is uh, – the so the regular spa thermal spa pass is this pass you can buy on certain Royal Caribbean ships. They are Radiance-class ships, Quantum-class ships, and I believe Oasis-class ships. Definitely not Freedom-class ships. And you get there and basically gives you unlimited access to a couple of areas of the spa, namely the heated – thermal chairs, the sauna, a steam room, and a rainforest room. And it gives you unlimited access, and it's for a fixed fee, so I think it's usually around somewhere in the ballpark of like 
for a seven night cruise, something like $79 for one person or $99 for two people or something along those lines, somewhere in that ballpark, right? And you get access to all that. Now, the ultimate thermal spa pass is everything I just mentioned, plus a Razul, I hope I'm pronouncing that right, R-A-S-U-L, room treatment. And basically, in addition to everything I just mentioned, the Razul room is a couple's experience in the room where you do a couple different things. You apply these uh, muds and, and lotions to each other. You get some sort of a massage or facial, and you... I, there's some. There's a whole bunch of things that go into it. You can actually look it up if you go on your cruise and just look up the Razul treatment. You'll see everything that's in there. So basically, it kind of combines uh, those two things together. You can buy, of course, the, the the Razul treatment on its own without the thermal spa pass. But something I guess people are sort of interested in, or it makes sense for whatever reason. But the Razul one is a one-time thing, right? So it's not unlimited access. You just book it like anything else. I think there's just some sort of a discount when you roll in with the regular thermal spot pass. I hope that all makes sense. Did it make sense, Michael? Yeah, I mean, I, I didn't even know those packages existed. So here I am learning something, you know, after you all these take, years. You got to take the spa tour, my man. That's what it's about. Embarkation day, after you eat the Windjamer, straight up to the spa, take the tour. You never know what you find in there. Plus, it's always fun anyway. You know, it gets, gets you different part of the ship. Yeah, I'm going to I'm gonna mark that off the bucket list. I'm going to do that next cruise. Nice. Uh-huh. So the, the other question that Laura had was about, she's got obviously an Eastern Caribbean uh, cruise compass, but how different is that going to be from a Western Caribbean cruise compass? A lot of the activities are going to be the same. The only difference I would say is you may see them happen on different days and different times. Would you kind of agree with that, Matt? Yeah, I mean, by and large, there's not a whole lot of change. And even quite honestly... I know on RealCaribbeanBlog.com, I'll post a link in the show notes if people are like, what, what, is, what is Laura talking about? We have on RealCaribbeanBlog.com an archive of old cruise compasses that people have sent us over the years, and we post on Royal Caribbean Blog. And even if you're finding one that's even, gosh darn, a, a year old, right, which is really old, the, the reality is that there's not a whole lot of change. Things may change, you know, timing, right? Something maybe at 4 o'clock instead of 3.30 or whatever. But generally speaking, it gives you a good idea of what to expect event-wise. Like, oh, there will be trivia events. There will be – there is a karaoke bar on board. You know, the main dining room is open from these hours for breakfast. Those kinds of things. It's good to just give you an idea. And quite frankly, I just think it's a lot of fun just to get yourself psyched up about it, right? Something to look forward to and, and read and just get excited about. Yeah, I always do that. It's part of the fun, counting down. It's kind of like thinking about activities you're going to do every day. So check it out on the site. There's a lot, a lot of cruise compasses on there. There you go. All right, Michael, I think time for our last email of the day. And our last email comes to us from Katrina Wright. Writes, you make me crazy. Your show is fun and informational until you answer a question you don't really know the answer to so egregiously that I want to and have screamed. For example, you absolutely have a different credit card associated with each uh, with each passenger, no matter whether or not they share a cabin or not. It's something that you set up in the check-in process. Or, yes, there is a nude beach on St. Martin. A good chunk of Orient Beach is completely clothing-free. On another front, regarding Liberty of the Seas dry dock changes, I was verifying what specialty restaurants she has before my cruise tomorrow and was surprised at the website info. If you read Real Caribbean's website, you'll see that they're describing the post-dry dock Liberty. Carnival does alcohol marketing better than Royal Caribbean, and I adore the deli they had lurking in the back of their Windjamere. Their ships feel less, uh, their ships feel less thought out than Royals because they are designed poorly. Not, not because they're designed poorly, sorry, but because they are utilized hideously. 
You can't watch the planes land from Sisters Bay at all. However, you can watch them taxi, and it looks like they're just driving down any old road. But man, the mega yachts that are docked there during the season are freaking awesome. Cheers. Looking forward to the episodes while I miss Etsy. Wow, a lot of stuff in there. And thank you for the feedback, uh, Karina. I think I said Katrina before, and I apologize. Karina is your name. And a lot of good stuff there, obviously, about uh, St. Martin and and the, the credit card thing. So good points all around, and certainly appreciate the uh, the good feedback. And thank you to everybody who contributed and sent in some feedback. We had some good feedback from Chrissy and, and Jose. So this was, I guess, Michael, today was the was the contribution listener email episode where we got a lot of good feedback from folks about some of the changes and, and things that we were unsure about. Hey, I love it. Anytime we can share knowledge to the listeners, you know, please send it in. Anything you see, um, you know, the more we know, the better. Absolutely. I couldn't agree more. So, Michael, thank you so much for joining us here on the podcast this week. Hey, thanks for having me. And until next time, I'll see you guys at sea. And, of course, thank you to everyone else for checking us out and talking to Royal Caribbean here. If you want to have your emails read, hey, you can do that. Absolutely. Send me an email, matt, M-A-T-T, at royalcaribbeanblog.com. And I also want to take a second here to say thank you to everybody. There's been so many of you, in fact, that have contributed to Royal Caribbean Blog through our brand new Royal Caribbean Blog Insiders, which is a group of folks that contribute to Royal Caribbean financially. And in turn, they get some really cool rewards like special access uh, cool products, early access to new episodes. In fact, they get their podcast episodes a day early and, and a lot of other really cool options and rewards. There's different levels. You can contribute for as little as $1 per month. So first and foremost, thank you to everybody who's become an insider. And if you haven't become an insider yet, I would encourage you to go check out the insiders page over at royalcaribbeanblog.com slash support or go to our show notes and I'll post a link in there as well and you can go see everything there is there it's completely 100% no obligation you can go there you can do it for a month and then cancel anytime it doesn't matter when I hope you will stay for a while but there's some really cool things in there so thank you all so much for becoming an insider I'm quite honestly I am I am so impressed and so humbled in fact by how much great feedback I've gotten through the insiders even in the two plus months that we've been doing this so Thank you all so much. So until next time, I'm Matt Hotchberg, and we'll talk again soon.